Shane team. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. So good. So good. Hey, um, just as we get going here, let me just uh, remind you of this. I don't know what it is about uh, the Christmas season, but what I've noticed is uh, this is the one time of year where uh, people who would never be connected to church are actually willing to come to church. Like this is the time of year where culturally people attend church. So here's my encouragement to all of you. Uh, this uh, Christmas season, invite somebody. Because a lot of people don't ever come to church because no one ever invites them, right? And they want to come and they feel like it's a thing to do, uh, but it really will take someone inviting them to really kind of bring them over that, the threshold. And so uh, be courageous uh, this Christmas season. Um, we get a, we're starting a Christmas series, and so for the next uh, four weeks, we're going to be in the Christmas spirit. And so these messages, I think, are just going to be great for all kinds of people from all kinds of walks of life, regardless of faith. I think I get to speak to people. So my encouragement to you is this Christmas season, invite someone. Turn to neighbor and say you're invited. There you go. Just practice. Just, just practice. All right. There we go. All right. You guys have got it. You can do it. Um, and so uh, we're starting this series called God With Us. Um, the title is inspired by a powerful truth um, that is wrapped around the whole mystery of Christmas, this incredible reality of the incarnation, uh, God taking on flesh and dwelling amongst us. And this is the miracle of the incarnation. Um, it's, it's funny, I had asked Carl Powers to talk last week, not knowing really where I was going to land on the Christmas series. I wasn't quite sure. I had a couple things in mind. And he, he launched off into this topic. And so uh, he actually did a great job of setting the table, and so he introduced us to a, a theme verse for the series. Um, you guys looked at it last week, and um, uh, well, this is a, a verse we're going to look at for the next four weeks. We're going to dig into it and unpack it in uh, my hope, increasing depth as we go along. Um, so what I want to do is, I, the verse is found in Matthew chapter uh, 1, verse 18, um, is where we'll begin. Um, I'm going to read you a few verses in the, in the just to give you, set some of the context for it, and then when we come to verse 23, my hope is that we can all read it together because that's kind of the key that I want to focus on over the next four weeks. So, so Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is what it says. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before he came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Someone say, wow. Wow, that's kind of pretty miraculous, right? Uh, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary to be home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And here's our verse, all right? This is, uh, this is Matthew quoting an Old Testament prophet, Isaiah uh, chapter 7, verse 14 is the, is, is the address for that verse. And so let's read this together on the count of three. Can we do that? One, two, three, go. Look, the virgin will conceive a child... Come on, guys, let's go. The virgin will conceive a child to be his son, and, she will call, and he will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Everyone say, God with us. All right, now, here's what, what I've, I've discovered in my life about this particular truth. I, maybe you can relate to this. Um, when things are going good in my life, it's actually easy to believe this, Right? When my life is going well and, and things are going my way and kind of uh, things are just smooth and my family is good and my life is good and just, just things are good, it's easy to actually believe this reality that God is with me. I, I, it's easy to sense the presence of God in my life. 
um, um, and when I'm on the mountaintop, if you will, when things are good. Um, but it's much more difficult when things go south in my life, when, when, when I'm starting to face some difficulty or facing challenges and hardships. Uh, uh, when I'm in the so-called valley of my life, it's much harder to believe that God is actually with me. And it's definitely much harder to feel that God is near to me. Um, you know, and I think this is true for most of us. When, when, you know, when you get bad news, whether it's a bad diagnosis or uh, you're worried, you're afraid, uh, you're feeling alone, you're kind of struggling with just depression, um, or you felt betrayed, uh, it's really hard to believe that God's somehow in the midst of all of that and he's still close to us and he's still with us. And so, like, when we're on that mountaintop of, of life, you know, it's easy to believe and feel and sense the presence of God. Uh, but it's much more difficult to believe that God is with us when we're in the v valleys of life. Um, and I had a very kind of visceral kind of uh, illustration of this this past weekend. I, I would, uh, had the privilege of um, uh, being invited to go hike on the Nepali coast on Kauai um, to Kapalau Valley. Um, and I don't know if you are familiar with that. Um, my good friend Garrett invited me along. He had permits, and uh, the two of us set out on it. What well, was kind of an adventure. I, it's, if you know the place at all, it's gorgeous. I mean, probably one of the most spectacular, most stunning places on the planet. Um, but it's a, it's a difficult hike. It's, challenging. it's a challenging hike. And it, um, it, it snakes along the coast, as you can see there. Um, and it goes up and down these switchbacks into these deep valleys. And then we'll, the trail will break out against at the top of the cliffs. And you just get these stunning views. Um, and these stunning views are amazing. And it just reminds you while you're there. You like come out of this valley sweaty and hot and just trudging through it. And then you'll break out onto this cliff face, the top of it, and you'll just see this beautiful view, and you go like, this is while I'm here, and then you have to trudge back down into the valley, and you're like, oh, this is so hard, and it's just pain and suffering, and then you get back up onto the mountain, and it's just like, oh, this is gorgeous. You feel kind of schizophrenic. You have moments of just pure ecstasy, and then just pain and suffering in the valleys, and it's kind of like a, kind of almost like a metaphor for the spiritual life. It's kind of like what life is like with the Lord sometimes. Uh, when, when we're on the mountaintops, we really sense His presence, and we, we see the splendor of God and the power of God and just world is good and life is good and we sense God's presence and then we turn around and we have to go down into a valley and it's just hard and it's pain and it's suffering and I think th this is kind of the, the the question that I want to kind of answer and kind of wrestle with um, th this this evening as we kind of enter into the the Christmas season is um, is you know is God with us in the valleys right uh, because sometimes it doesn't feel like he is. Um, you know, the, the, this past, these past months, you know, we, we've experienced some massive devastation on our island. These wildfires have, have affected all of us in some way, even if you weren't personally impacted. Uh, we've all known people and, and, and been around people that have experienced some significant loss and pain um, and, and are, are walking even now, you know, months later, still in a valley trying to recoup and get their lives back. And so collectively as a community, kind of we, we have been walking through a valley of loss. We've been walking through a valley of difficulty and hardship, a valley of pain and, and and some suffering. Um, and so I think the, this message might, might be helpful for some of us. And if, even if we're not personally in a valley right now, um, chances are, and this is just life, and so yes, my pastoral encouragement, uh, you, you're com it's coming, right? Uh, you know, you might be on a mountaintop right now, but there's a valley around the corner because that's just the nature of, of this life that we've been called to live as Christians. Um, and, and here's what, what I've also noticed in my life. It's um, you know, sometimes you can experience a valley, but not everything's a valley, right? I mean, like sometimes, like you can have a lot of things in your life that are actually going really well. Like your marriage could be solid, your home and your job, uh, but maybe you got a teenage kid 
who's making some really bad, dangerous decisions, and that just weighs you down, right? Uh, maybe you're entering the, the, you know, the holiday season, and you're really stoked to have time off work, and you've got you know, friends coming and family, and it's super exciting. Um, and you were at the doctor's you know, last week, and you got this really kind of scary diagnosis. And that kind of like that, that lingering valley that's coming up to you is just kind of weighing on everything in your life, right? And so I, you know, we can turn really quickly in this world from like being in, on a mountaintop to a valley, I, I, let me share a personal experience with you. Kind of, this was something that uh, really impacted me pretty significantly right at the beginning of, of my journey here as, as the lead pastor. I don't know if many of you know this. I've been in Waipun a long time, but um, I think I was just around for long enough when our, our last lead pastor left and they asked me to be an interim for a year. And that year actually went really well. I was like surprised. I was like, I didn't blow it. The ship didn't, we didn't ruin the church. And it actually was growing and doing well. And I guess after that year, they thought, hey, maybe you can do it. Even though I was probably the most unlikely candidate to be a pastor. And uh, we, we just had a really blessed season. It felt like God, you know, the church was growing. People weren't being discipled. Um, in, the, in June, I just got inaugurated as the lead pastor, and so like I was on a high. I mean, uh, we had just come back from Uganda, which, uh, which is an area that we had just both in our hearts are really connected to, and we had, had been a really successful, we felt, uh, mission trip, and um, you know, God had, was, had done some amazing things. We had seen him move, and, uh, and he had not only in the ministry, but also in our lives personally, and I really had the sense that like, man, God is with me. I, you know, have you ever felt like those seasons in your life? where it's like you just sense the favor of God, right? Like, you know, you, you pull into the parking lot at Costco and a parking lot opens, opens right there and you're like, well, I'm God's favorite, man. He just, he's like, you had those moments in season. And this was one of those seasons for me. It just felt like I was just on a mountaintop. Like, I mean, there was so much good things, so many good things happening in my life. Um, and then uh, the other shoe dropped, right? Um, th there was some things that happened, some relational stuff, people that we had, like some, uh, well, that we really loved and cared about and served, and some things were said and emails sent, and um, it really was an attack on my character, my motivation, and also my wife, which really made me mad, uh, because, you know, you can mess with me, don't mess with my wife, right? Um, and it just really, like, it was so quick. I went from a mountain to, like, a valley, just, like, in a, in a couple of days, and for a couple of weeks, it just kind of went on and and on and on and it's just like I got to a point where I really was just started questioning like you know it triggered all my insecurities like I don't feel like I'm qualified to be a pastor anyway and then when people kind of say you're not qualified I go like yeah I know right and, and so like it just all this stuff came out and just like it just it, I just went to spiral man and the enemy just jumped all over it and I began questioning like my calling and I was like man if this is what ministry is like I'm not sure I want to do it and it's just like it just in a moment so as I was reflecting on that this week I was just, you know, stunned at how quickly you can move from a mountaintop, right, where you just feel like God is with me and, and to feeling totally abandoned by God, totally like left and alone and just, it's, it like can happen like in a moment. And for some of you, it might not be that kind of thing, but it could be just a diagnosis, you know, like things are going well and suddenly you get this just horrible diagnosis and suddenly your life just flips and you're in this valley. Or it could be a relationship explodes and something is revealed and exposed and suddenly like your whole life is turned upside down in a moment and we can be, go from this mountaintop experience and the question we're asking is like, where is God, Right. Suddenly we feel like God's not there anymore. We go from having the sense of God's favor and his presence and God is with me, Emmanuel, right? Uh, until like, God, man, you've abandoned me. Where are you? My God, like Jesus prayed, like, why have you forsaken me? Uh, and, and so that can happen so, so quickly in our lives, right? And uh, I've experienced, and maybe some of you can kind of relate to that. Um, so 
where is God then in the valleys of our lives, right? Uh, is God still there? Is this truth, Emmanuel, God with us, still present, not only in the mountaintop, but is he the same good and gracious God in the valley as well? Um, now, you know what's interesting in Scripture is valleys are very significant. They, they, um, they represent a lot of number of things in the Scriptures. Um, valleys were often times where battles took place. And some of you might right now be in the midst of a, a valley of a battle, right? There's a battle going on in your life, whether it's a relational battle, or whether it's a spiritual battle, or maybe it's, it, it, it's something like just emotional. You're battling something, depression, anxiety, something like that. Uh, valleys are where battles took place. Um, valleys were uh, often kind of represented seasons of depression or seasons of loneliness, seasons of loss. But yes, also what's really cool is that uh, valleys are also uh, represent seasons of growth. Valleys are kind of where some really cool growth happens. And so um, here's the big idea. This is kind of, if you don't think of any, remember anything else I tell you uh, today or, or say today, uh, here's the kind of big idea that my hope is that you take away from today. We might enjoy God on the mountaintop, um, but we really get to know him intimately in the valleys. You might get to enjoy God's splendor and his power, and you see the magnificence of who he is from the mountaintop. But it's in the valley, in those dark, deep valleys of life, that we really get to know our God intimately uh, and deeply. And so uh, to help us kind of unpack this idea, I want to look at an Old Testament passage, uh, uh, Psalm 84. If you've got a copy of the Scriptures, you can turn there. I'll have the verses up on uh, the screens. And I'm going to read in a number of different translations just because they just frame it differently. And there's some cool stuff we can pull out of it. So Psalm 84. Uh, some of you may have read this before and maybe have never really even noticed these verses. Or if you have Notice these verses, maybe you didn't understand what they're talking about because they're a little uh, obscure, uh, but hopefully we can unpack them and, uh, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll just discover what it means to encounter our God, our good and gracious God in the midst of the valley. So Psalm 84, I'll just read you the first couple of verses. This is what it says. Blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Bacar. Someone say Bacar. As they pass through the valley of Bacar, they, they, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Now that phrase, valley of Bacar, is significant. Um, scholars think that sometimes this is, uh, was actually a place, and maybe it was a valley that got its name because of the trees that grew there. Uh, in, in that region of the world in the Middle East, there's a tree called the uh, prickly acacia. Um, it's also called the weeping tree because if you cut its bark, it, it sends out this, this sappy, oozy thing. It almost looks like a translucent tear, and so it's known as the weeping tree. Uh, and so the, the valley of Bacar, um, um, that word, um, Bacar, is uh, closely related to another uh, word called Beki, which is the name of that tree in, in, the, in the Middle East. Um, and interesting, the, the Hebrew word Beki is, can be translated as weeping. And, and so um, significant here. So the Valley of Bacar, if you, in some of your translations, depending on what, uh, what translation of the Bible you read, uh, it, could, it sometimes translates the Valley of Bacar as the Valley of Weeping or the Valley of Tears or the Valley of Loss. Um, and so, um, you know, the, the biblical authors often use this metaphor of, of a valley to describe difficult seasons of life, the, the, these prickly, hard, dry places that we sometimes get into. Um, they would describe them as being in a valley. And so here's what the psalmist says. Blessed are those whose strength is found in you. Now, who's the you that the psalmist is referring to? Not a trick question. God, right? Whose strength is found in you, O oh God. Um, now, um, 
Now, I understand tonight that some of you might be here. I don't know everyone in this room, and so I, I don't know where you all are in your, in your faith journey. Um, but there might be some of you, one or two of you here, or maybe who are going to watch this online this weekend, who um, would not consider yourself followers of Jesus, right? You, you don't necessarily um, even believe in God, let alone believe that God is with you or necessarily even for you, right? And, and so um, I'm glad that, that if that's you. I'm glad that you're here today. I'm really honored and, and, and glad that I don't believe there's a better place you could be. Um, and, um, but here's something that, that, that I, I think that is, is true for all of us. And I, this is not really a Christian thing. This is just a human thing. I think all of us get to a point in our lives, there, there are moments in our life that we, as we journey through this life uh, where we just get to the end of ourselves, right? Where we just feel like life is overwhelming. And it could be relationally, emotionally, whatever. But sometimes we just feel like, man, I'm done. I, I don't have any more to give. I'm like, I'm just, I'm, I'm done. I'm tapped out. I'm exhausted. I, I just got, I got no more. Right? I think all of us reach points like that in our lives. And sometimes it could be relationally, it could be physically, it could be emotionally, but we just feel tapped. We just come to the end of ourselves. Now, here's a harsh truth that, 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 that I'm just going to, you know, because I love you, I'm going to tell you this. Um, um, if you've never really experienced Emmanuel, this reality of God with us, um, when you get to that point, this is, this is just the reality. Um, you know, you know, then what, what you, you have is all that you have. Right? Like when you come to the end of yourself, that's it. Like there's nothing more, right? Like what you have is all you have, right? And, 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 and here's, but the good news of, of, of being in Christ, the good news of this reality, you know, God with us, Emmanuel, uh, is blessed is he whose strength is in God, right? Which means when you come to the end of you, there's more, right? That's good news, Right? When you come to the end of you, there's the entire resource of heaven, the power of heaven, the strength of God available to you. Um, that, that there is a God who knows you and a God who, who is with you. And so when you come to the end of you, he's there, right? He is with you. Um, and, 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 and so scripture says that, 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 that his strength is actually perfected. It's made perfect in our weakness. It's sometimes not until we become and acknowledge that we are weak that we really begin to experience the strength of our God. And so the psalmist says, blessed is he, right? Blessed are you, right? Whose strength is not in your own capacity to make it through. But blessed is he whose strength is in God, um, you know, and so notice, it doesn't say, you know, blessed is he who, who can make it on his own, right? That's not what it says. Like, blessed is he who pulls himself up by his bootstraps. You know, your grandpa might have said that to you, but that's not what God says, right? The scripture says, blessed is you, right? Blessed are you whose strength is in God. Because when you come to the end of you, there is so much more available to you. Without this reality of Emmanuel, of God with you, you know, all you have is all you have, right? But, but in Christ, at the end of you, there is so much more. There is God because God is with you. Um, you know, and, and it's weird because, you know, we live in a, in, a, in, a, in a culture that celebrates independence, right? I mean, one of the strengths of America is that we're independent. We're an independent uh, people, right? Uh, you have people who, who would basically kind of pride themselves in saying, I don't need anybody. Right? I, I don't need anybody. I, I don't need anybody financially. I'm independently wealthy. I don't need anyone emotionally. I'm an island unto myself. I don't need anything. I'm good. And I certainly don't need God, right? 
I'm good. I don't need anything. Um, but, but the reality of Scripture, it teaches us that you were not created to be independent, right? You were created to be dependent upon God and interdependent upon others, right? So blessed are you when you actually realize that you are dependent on God. That's what the psalmist is saying, right? Blessed are you when you, when you have access to a power that is greater than you. Um, some of you, some kind of need to lean into that, right? Because, like, you know, you might be at the point where, where, where you, you just need to acknowledge that you don't have what it takes, right? That you need God. You need His presence. You need His power. You need His strength. Blessed are those whose strength is found in God. I love the way the, the Living uh, Translation, um, the New Living Translation paraphrases this. It says, What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Someone say pilgrimage, right? And, and, and it's kind of an old word. We don't really kind of think of pilgrimage, but, but it's basically what our mission statement is, right? Our mission is to journey with people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's kind of like the, a pilgrimage is this journey towards something, something greater than ourselves, our journey towards Jesus. And, and, and so it, it really is what the psalmist is describing here is a picture of the Christian life. As followers, we are on a, um, a journey to Jerusalem, not necessarily the literal Jerusalem, the city, you know, in the Middle East, but we are on a journey to the new Jerusalem, the Jerusalem of, of, of Revelation 21, right? The, this, this place where God will dwell. Uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, Jerusalem means uh, the city of peace. It's often referred to as a city of refuge. Um, it's, it's this new Jerusalem, this, this place where God's presence is, where there is peace in our lives. Uh, one commentator on, on the psalm writes this. He said, to get to the city of refuge, you have to travel through the valley of tears. I love that. That's a very powerful image. And it's so appropriate to kind of what our, what our experience is like here on this earth as Christians. Um, sometimes to get where, where, where you really appreciate the presence and the power of God, you have to push through a little bit of pain. I don't know, I've, I've known that too to be in my own life, right? So on the mountaintops, I get to see God's, uh, you know, power and splendor. But it's in those valleys, in, in those moments of pain and difficulty and hardship that I really get to know Him on a far deeper, more intimate level. Um, and so the, 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 sometimes the pathway to this place of peace is through the valley uh, of difficulty, um, you know, and so, so you know, we, we encounter the, the, these, these, uh, um, the, these moments and these valleys in our lives, right? Where the, we encounter these valleys of difficulty, these valleys of pain, these valleys of loneliness, these valleys of loss. Um, and in order to get to that city of peace and ultimately to be in the presence of the Prince of Peace, uh, you know, we, we have to travel through the Valley of Bacaw, this Valley of Tears, this Valley of Weeping, this Valley of Loss. And I think all of us, um, you know, if you've lived, you know, any length of time, you've experienced this, right? Uh, this life, there's no way of escaping kind of uh, valleys. Uh, all of us will experience valleys. And if you're on a mountaintop right now, celebrate it. Praise God for it. Um, and, and just anticipate there's a valley around the corner. You know, there's a valley on the way. Um, and, and so how do we get to experience the same intimacy, that same sense of God with us, right, in the midst of the valley? Um, John uh, Bunyan, uh, he wrote that very famous book, The Pilgrim's Progress. 
And uh, he, when he talks about the, the protagonist of, of the book, uh, Christian, uh, is on a journey, right? He's on a journey to the New Jerusalem, to, this, to the city of refuge. And along the journey, it's kind of the whole story is about the, all the different things he encounters. And uh, Vanyan kind of uh, uses the metaphor of the valley in a number of ways. There's the valley of humiliation. And then he talks about the valley of the, of the shadow of death or the valley of death. And so I just want to, can I read you just a little excerpt from uh, Pilgrim's Progress about Christian's journey? This is what it says. This is how Bunyan uh, describes this experience. He says, A Christian entered another valley called the valley of the shadow of death. And he meets two men, sons who gave an evil report of the good land, hurrying in the opposite direction. They tell Christian that the valley is dark, filled with fearsome creatures and miserable cries. And Christian clutches his sword but presses forward. On the right hand of the valley, there's a deep ditch into which the blind have led the blind throughout history. On the left hand, there's a bottomless pit into which King David once fell. The path between them is quite narrow and so dark that Christian can hardly see a step in front of him. And in the middle of the valley stands the entrance to hell itself. The fire, smoke, horrible noises issuing from it. Christian's sword does him no good there. And he falls back to the weapon of fervent prayer. And even then, fiends, scree, uh, fiends seem to draw near uh, a scripture quotation, and scripture quotation drives them back. Christian is frightened. At one point, as he passes the entrance in hell, a demon draws behind him and whispers blasphemies. And Christian, distressed, believes these thoughts are coming from his own mind. And after he has walked for a little while, he hears another voice ahead of him saying, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For my Lord is with me. And Christian cheers up because he knows that another believer in God must be in the valley and that God must be with both of them, though he cannot perceive his presence. God must be with them both, though he cannot perceive their presence. And so the psalmist continues and he exhausts us. For the joy of those strength comes from the Lord who set their mind on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Somebody say, I'm going to set my mind. I'm going to set my mind. This is so important. I'm going to set my mind. Blessed are those who have set their mind towards the city of peace. Right? Blessed are those who have set their mind on the prince of peace. Blessed are those who have set their minds towards God. Because here's something you already know, right? What you set your mind on makes all the difference, right? You know this already, right? What you dwell on and what you think about is going to determine your experience. It's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a matter of, of, of nature and fact. The things that you dwell on will impact your life. And so, so the, the New Testament authors are constantly exhorting us to set our minds. Paul would say to the Colossians, set your mind where? On things above, right? Not on earthly things. Set your mind on that city of refuge. Set your mind on that prince of peace. Set your mind on things above and not on things below. What you focus on in the valley will make all the difference in determining that valley experience. You know, Paul would tell the Philippian believers this. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, Whatever is praiseworthy, what, everything that is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Set your mind on these things. You know, what we think about is one thing, right? And what you're experiencing is one thing, right? 
And they don't necessarily have to be the same thing. Does that make sense? Like what you're experiencing, your circumstance is one thing, but what you set your mind on is a completely different thing. That you can be experiencing one thing, but still have your mind set on things above, right? You, you can be experiencing a circumstance that is difficult. You can be trudging through a valley, and there can be nothing but pain and, and suffering in the offering there. But you can still have your mind set upon things above. And perhaps someone needs to hear that tonight, right? Uh, you know, maybe your current situation right now, maybe not all your life, but, but there's a part of your life that's a deep, dark valley, and it's impacting kind of like your whole life. It's weighing on your life. Um, you know, and, and your heart might be racing, but your mind is set, right? You know, your mind might be swirling with all kinds of fear and anxiety, but you've set your thoughts upon the heaven above, right? Your emotions might feel overwhelmed, right? But your mind is fixed towards God, right? And so for some of you, that might just be like the valley of pressure, right? Uh, the pressure that's oftentimes like the Christmas season brings. Like for so many people, like Christmas is not a good time, right? Christmas brings a lot of stress to a lot of people, right? There's a lot of family dynamics that are awkward and hard and difficult. And if, you, if your family is merged, it's like who spends who with the holidays. And if, uh, you know, if, Lord forbid, you've gone through a divorce and difficulty and there's children involved. It's, just, it's complicated and it's stressful, right? So maybe some of you are walking through the valley of, of stress right now, the valley of pressure. Maybe some of you are walking through the valley of tragedy. You know, there, there's been loss. There's been heartache. Maybe it's a broken relationship, a broken spouse. Maybe it's a family relationship with a child. Uh, you know, there's, there's heartache there. There's loss. Um, but your God is with you, right? Your God is with you, and your God is for you. Now, remind yourself that. Think on that. Set your mind on that. You know, greater is he, right, who is in you than he is in the world. Your God is going before you to prepare a way. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. And I'm learning to depend on Him. Blessed is He whose strength is in the Lord. Right. The psalmist continues and he says this, As they pass through the valley of Bacar, they make it a place of springs. As they pass through, someone say pass through. As they pass through the valley of Bacar, um, they make it a place of springs. The New Living Translation says, when they walk through the valley of weeping, it becomes a place of refreshing springs. Notice that phrase, walk through, pass through, right? Uh, when you're going through the valley, right, what are you doing? What are you doing in the valley? You're passing through, right? And this is important, right, because sometimes you want to camp in the valley, right? We had a moment like this. We were, we were like hiking on this trail, and it was getting dark, and we we're like, I don't know, do we camp in the valley? It just doesn't seem as wet. It's dark. It's like, you know, you, sometimes you just want to give up and camp in the valley, right? But you're not camping in the valley, right? That's not the pilgrimage you're on, Christian, right? We're heading to the city of refuge, right? We're going to the city of peace, right? So, so we don't camp in the valley, right? You know, John Bunyan quote, quotes King David in Psalm 23 when he says, Though I walk through, right, in fact, read it with me, right? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Why? Because you will with me, right? You're close beside me, right? And what am I doing? I'm not camping. I'm walking through, right? I'm passing through the valley. 
Uh, I might be in a deep, dark valley right now. I might be in a really difficult season of life right now. I might be hurting right now. But this is not where I'm going to live, right? This is not where I, I, I'm called to live, right? I'm passing through. I'm a, I, so, so take this down. If you're taking notes, jot this down. The valley is not your destination, right? Believe it, the valley is not your destination. Uh, you know, I know this is true for you, man. I'm a kind of a wimp when it comes to hard things. And I'm always looking for a way out of hard things. I think it's just human nature. I don't know anyone who, like, you know, sometimes I have to force myself to do hard things because I know it's good for me. Uh, but by nature, I don't want to do hard things, and I'm always looking for a way out. And especially when it comes to, like, emotional pain, I'm like, I just want out. And so my prayers generally are always like, God, get me out of this. Make it stop, right? And here's the thing, you know, you know Jesus is really honest with us about this journey that we're on with him. You know, he's never promised uh, that we would not encounter valleys in our lives. In fact, he's really blunt and straightforward. He says, like, in this world, you will have what? Trouble, right? In other words, you're going to experience valleys. They're going to be hard things that you're going to have to deal with in this life, right? But fear not, right? Take heart, he says, for I have overcome the world, right? I have overcome the world. In other words, you know, you, you're going to have some valleys in this life, um, and for some of you, you know, I, I don't want to underestimate what those are. I know, like some of your stories, they're dark, and, and it's a deep valley. Um, but fear not, right? Because Jesus has promised to be with you. You know, God has not promised to take us out of the valley, but he has promised to be with us in the midst of the valley and to walk with us through the valley, right? That's the promise that our good and gracious God has made to us. Um, and the road to peace oftentimes, you know, leads through the valley, so we set our minds on God, right? We recognize that we're just passing through. And then I love what the psalmist says next. He says, as you pass through the valley of Bacar, this is really powerful. He says, they make it a place of spring, right? That, that word spring in the, in the Hebrew is mayan. Um, and it, it's also translated, in fact, in the, the King James Version, in the older version of the Scriptures, they translate it as well. The King James reads it like this. Those passing through the valley of Bacar, they make it a well. Uh, which makes perfect sense to me, because what do you do when you're in a dry place, right? When you sense you don't have the water or the spirit, right? What, what do you do? You give up, or you can do be a proactive. You could what? Dig a well, right? So it makes sense, right? You dig a well. I, I love this. This is so powerful, right? Um, and, and notice that it doesn't say God makes it a place of springs. It doesn't say God digs the well. Who digs the well? We dig the well. They dig the well, right? So it's speaking of an act of faith. In the midst of the valley, there's a proactive thing that we can do, right? We can dig a well. Um, you know, and so, so here's my encouragement, man. If, if you are in a valley, whatever it might be, whether it's a, a valley, a, a battle that you're fighting, um, or whether it's just something that you're facing, a tragedy, a loss, whatever that valley is for you, man, maybe, may I suggest, that you dig a well, right? This is what the psalmist is encouraging us to do. They go through the, in, in, the, in the valley of Bacar, in the valley of weeping, in the valley of loss, right? They make it. They dig a well. They make it a, a sprint. They dig a mayan. They dig a well. Um, it may not have rained yet, right? But what do they do? They get to start digging out a little reservoir because they're anticipating God's presence. They're anticipating God's provision. It's an act of faith. They dig a well. You know, Carl talked about this last week. If, I mean, I really encourage you to listen to his message if you didn't. Um, but it's what James, the brother of Jesus, 
exhorts us to do. It says, you know, draw near to God, and then what? He will draw near to you, right? That, that there's an act, active step that we're called to take, that if we draw near to God, He will draw near to God. So basically, another way to say that is like, show God your faith, and He will show you His faithfulness, right? In, in the middle of the valley, when you're feeling like there's no God has abandoned you and you're left alone, what do you do? You dig a well, right? You make some room. You create a reservoir in your life. You carve out some space in anticipating God's presence, anticipating God's provision as an act of faith. And when you show God your faithfulness, He has promised to be faithful, right? Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. You know, Jesus has the same expectation. I don't know if you've noticed this in, in, in the way he interacts with so many people in the gospel, especially when it comes to this area of healing. Um, there's one, one encounter he has with a man. It's on the Sabbath. The man has a withered hand. Um, and Jesus could easily have said, you know, be healed. And boom, the man's hand would have been healed. I mean, I have no doubt about that. But Jesus doesn't do that. What he says to the man, Matthew, Matthew tells us, he says to the man, stretch out your hand. What's that? Dig a well, right? Create a mayan. Create this space, this reservoir. Act. Do something, right? Act in faith, anticipating the faithfulness and the goodness of God, right? Anticipate. Stretch out your hand. And so we're told the man stretches out his hand. What happens? He was completely restored, right? When you show God your faith, he will prove himself faithful time and time and time again. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Right? There's another incident, uh, you might remember the story of uh, a man who, who was lame for 38 years. 38 years, he's sitting by the pool, waiting for some miracle to happen. And Jesus shows up, he asks him the question, do you want to be well? And the man's like, well, I've been, I've been lame for 38 years, what do you think? And so what does Jesus say? I mean, he could have just said, be healed in the name of Jesus. But he doesn't, what does he say? He says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk, dig a well right? Do something, right? Create a reservoir. Anticipate the goodness of God. Act in faith. Even when there is no sense of God's presence, believe that there is. Create some space. Dig a well. Create a mayan. And then just anticipate God will fill it with his presence, and God will fill it with his provision. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Show God your faith, and he will show you his faithfulness. You know, uh, Chronicles in the Old Testament, there's, there's a story of King Asa. I, I won't go into the context of it. Uh, but basically, it's, it, he, the Lord says this to King Asa. He says, this is what the Lord says to the King Asa. The Lord is with you when you're with him. There's a proactive part in this, right? And he says, seek him and what? You will find him, right? In other words, dig a well, right? Create a mayan. Create some space where God can show up in your life. Create, create a reservoir in your life, whatever that looks like for you, so that God might show up and prove himself faithful, that, that he will show up by his presence and by his provision. And, and I suspect that some of you tonight, um, you haven't sensed the presence of God for some time. I'm just, just going on statistics and odds here. Uh, you know, there's some of you who probably may never have experienced the presence of God. And so might I suggest that maybe this Christmas season, you create a mayan, you dig a well, right? You know, you know this is the issue that, that I think so many of us have. Um, 
you know, is that there's just no room, right, in our lives. And, I, and then one of the things I, I've known, and we talked about this quite a bit in the past series, you know, like the elimination of hurry, um, is that we're so busy, right? We're so rushed that we just have no room. And I know this is true for my life. I'm just speaking for my own life, that, that my life just gets so filled with things, good things, that there's just no room. And even sometimes on the mountaintop, I, I fail to create room for God. And so even more so in the valley, right? And, and so for some of you, man, I just suggest that maybe this season, you know, that, that we, we dig some wells, right? We create some reservoirs in our lives, anticipating the presence of God, anticipating the provision of God. You know, you know God really shows up, you know, when we're in a rush, I've noticed that, that to be true. Like even in my prayer life, the only time that I've really experienced God's presence in my prayer life is when I've lingered, when I've pressed through the urgency and the things and I've, I've been able to just shut that down. You know, notice, remember uh, the invitation that God gives to Moses? Moses is walking in the wilderness, kind of like through a valley. I mean, he's just kind of escaped from Egypt and he's about, you know, he's running for his life and, and then God shows up in a burning bush. And what's the invitation that, that God says to Moses? Take off your sandals. Like, in other words, like, linger it a little bit. Like, take off your sandals. Chill out. You know, take your shoes off. Stay a while. You know? Why? Because this is holy ground. Moses, you thought you were walking through a wilderness. You thought you, I deserted you. But I'm with you. So take off your sandals. You know, linger. Linger. T- stay a while. And so I think for many of us, like we don't experience the presence of God in this reality of Emmanuel. Um, firstly, because the valley just overwhelms us. Um, but then also we just don't ever create room and space to dig a well, create a mayan, create some space, a reservoir in your life where God can show up and prove himself faithful. Do it in faith, even though you don't feel it, right? Because our, our, our walk with God is not one simply of emotion and feeling, right? Sometimes we, we have to act despite what we're feeling, you know? Emotions are just that, the emotions. They're not always true. <laughs> what you feel is not always true, right? And sometimes we don't feel the presence of God, especially when we're in the valley. But well, we have a God who has promised to be with us, right? To be with us as much faithfully and, and as in all his goodness as he is on the mountaintop, but has promised to be faithful and good to us even in the valley. Um, you know, back to that time 12 years ago, I remember um, getting to a point where I was just feeling so overwhelmed and lost. And one night I was just like, I was like done. I was seriously, it's so weird like to think, if I think back on this, I was kind of like how immature I was and silly, but it was true, it was what I felt. But I was like, man, if this is what ministry is going to feel like, I, I don't want any part of it. Like, I don't want to have to put my family through this. I don't need to go through this. I mean, it's like, I don't need this. Um, and I remember getting to the shower one night, and I'm just, just like tapped, like just at the end of me, and I'm weeping before God, and I'm going like, God, you got to show up, because if you're not in this, I don't want to do any of this. This means nothing to me. And, you know, like God didn't show up in a, like a huge voice and go like, Sean, I am with you. You're good. Like nothing. Like there was no earthquake. The house didn't shake. I just sat there in the shower on my knees crying. 
But in a moment, I had this most overwhelming sense of God's presence. And I knew that I knew that I knew that God is with me. He's with me. You know, and it wasn't because I'm particularly deserving of it. But he loves me. And he's for me. And he's with me. And I know if he's with me, he's with you. I don't know what valley you're going with right through right now. But whatever that is, know this, that your God is for you. And your God is with you. And as faithful and as good and as wonderful he is as he is on the mountaintop, man, you'll get to know him in the valley in ways that you'll never, ever experience on the mountain. He's with you in the valley. Um, so that's all I got for you. Um, 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 I'm going to invite the team up. Um, we're going to pray. Um, let, let me just la- read this last verse. And I love this. It says this. Um, come on up, guys. Um, it says, They go from strength to strength as each appears before their God in Zion. I mean, I love this. I just love this, this reality that, that you and I on this pilgrimage towards the city of refuges, this place of peace, to be in the very presence of our God, that we go from strength to strength, right? That, that, that it's not in our own strength, but the more we, we, we linger, the greater the beyond that we create, this, this reservoir to experience the presence of God in our lives, the greater we'll be strengthened in the Lord. We will move from strength to strength as we journey um, before our God in Zion. And I love that until he appears to us, right? And this is the great hope of the Christian life. That one day we will be fully known by him and we will be with him. And we will not have to kind of do it in faith. We'll do it in reality. That we will be seen and known and we will be with him. He will be our God and he will physically dwell with him as he is with us. And right now he has given us the presence of his Holy Spirit. Intangible, like the wind, mysterious, but ever-present. He is with us, right? As much on the mountaintop as he is in the valley. As much in the valley as he is on the mountaintop. Amen? All right. All right. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your goodness and your grace and your kindness to us. And, and I don't know where everyone is right now. I don't know where Shane is right now. Uh, uh, we, we'll have... Uh, we'll have Juliana, you can sing that last song for us. That's beautiful. He's like, Sean ended early. He said he was going to go long. So it was my fault. I told him I'd probably go long, but I, I figured God had something else for us. So let's just pray right now. Let's just dig a, dig a well, right? Right now, wherever you are, uh, let's take some time. And maybe, Cassandra, you can just play some kind of little, little music behind us. Let's take some time and we'll dig a well. We'll, we'll just um, we'll create some space, uh, a reservoir, a mayan for God's presence to come. And then be still. Let's just take a few minutes and be still and quiet before the Lord. And wait on Him. And whatever that valley is, you know, the Scripture encourages us to cast our cares upon Him. Why? Because He cares for us. He is for you. And He is with you. So linger in this space right now for a few minutes. Let the God of creation, 
the all-knowing, all-powerful God who took on flesh and became Emmanuel so that he might dwell with us.